Somebody say, praise the Lord. I got to tell you, I love worship. But sometimes I like to get my praise on too. So back home, we have this song where we sing, when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free, I want to dance, 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 all night, yeah, all night. It says, I, I got to praise, I got to praise, and I got to let it out. I got to praise. Come on, say that with me. Anybody got it? I, I, I got to praise. I, I got to praise and I got to let it out. I, I got to praise. Oh, yeah, we say it again. I, 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 I got to praise. I, I got to praise and I got to let it out. I, I got to praise. And then we go like this. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. When I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free, I gotta jump, 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 jump all night, all night, all day, all night, all day. Praise the Lord. I know it's been a long day. It's been a long day, but there's been some good word up in here today, and uh, I consider it a blessing to be ministered to by somebody else, and the, the worship was just wow, wow, amazing. So the day is getting be- away from us, so I want to try not to be before you too long and let you go home and chill out and all that good stuff. Um, it's so funny, you know, I listened to all the speakers that were here today, and just as Melissa was saying how God speaks, and we all sort of just line up with one another. And so the same thing is happening. It's like, oh, my God, they're going to start preaching my message. Get out of there. Get out of there. Go someplace else. <laughs> That's what I was thinking to myself. But, um, God, truly, I've been blessed by Gail and Tracy and Yana and Pastor Russ uh, and, and Charlene. It's been a, a truly awesome people and women of God, so we're blessed to have them in the kingdom. So, uh, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I cannot do this in my own strength. I'm your vessel, and so I come before you now, and I just ask you to decrease me in my flesh. Holy Spirit on the inside of me, I ask you to rise up now. Overtake every aspect of my being. I surrender my vocal cords to you, my voice to you, so that you can use it to speak what the Holy Spirit, what the Lord is leading and guiding me to speak today. Empower me by your spirit. And Lord, I pray, God, that the word, when it goes forth, that it would be anointed, Father, that it would just take deep root this afternoon, Father. I pray, God, that you would anoint me afresh right now from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Lord, I don't want to miss a single thing that you want to do today. And I ask you, Lord, to do it now by your power as I surrender myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I heard all morning, oh, last night, move forward. I said, that's, my, that's what I'm talking about, make a move. Isn't it funny? We all want change, but nobody wants to make a move to get change. And so this afternoon, I want to preach a little bit about make a move. What does it mean to make a move? It means you got to do something. You got to do something. And so ladies, can we all agree this afternoon that life doesn't always go the way we plan? And if I can get a little more light on the stage so I can see my words, because Lord, I got them senior eyes. 
took my coat off because I had hot flashes. I said, Lord Jesus, I feel like Patsy Cline. I'm falling to pieces. Oh, hello. <laughs> but can we agree that life doesn't always go the way we plan? You know what? I never planned to be divorced. No, I did not. I never planned to be a single mother for years. I never planned to be bankrupt and go on welfare. I never planned to be married a second time. See, somebody knows what I'm talking about this afternoon. We didn't plan these events, but we must decide how we're gonna respond to them. Let's be real, many of us have experienced some painful, life-changing events. We've heard that this afternoon. Events that have left many of us angry, living in fear, wallowing in self-pity, and guess what? Some of us are still stuck in our yesterday. He left you five years ago, and you still haven't moved forward. Walking in unforgiveness for 15 years, and still haven't moved forward. Angry at God, and still haven't moved forward. You see, life is full of peaks and lows, ups and downs, mountaintop highs and valley lows, but this is one thing I know, ladies. We have to move forward. Staying stuck is not an option. Not only is life full of unplanned events, but it's full of dilemmas and situations for which we must make decisions. I don't know about you, but I didn't always make the best decisions when faced with various dilemmas and situations in my life. Yes, the truth is, uh, we've all made some bad decisions. Hello, am I the only one that made a bad decision? <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We've all made bad decisions, and guess what? We've suffered the consequences of those decisions. But I'm here to tell you that even though you've made a bad decision, you have got to move forward. Why? Because we have a sovereign God. A God who is able to use all of our unplanned events in our lives. A God who is able to use all of your bad decisions in order to accomplish his will and his purpose for our destiny and for our lives. Because we have a sovereign God. Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for your life. In spite of all the unplanned events in life, in spite of all your bad decisions, God is taking you somewhere. He wants to move you forward. And so today I want to share with you a story of two biblical queens, and neither of them ever planned to be queen. How do you end up to be queen and you never planned it? Uh, but both of them faced critical situations and major dilemmas in their lives for which they had to make some major decisions. But God used the unplanned events of their lives, their decisions, in order to accomplish his will, his purpose. So in the book of Esther, first we meet a Gentile, a Gentile queen by the name of Vashti. And according to the book of tradition, the Jewish tradition, Queen Vashti had a lot of unplanned and expected events in her life. You see, Vashti was the daughter of King Belshazzar, 
What the heck is that brother's name? Belshazzar. We'll tell him. That's what we'll call him. Hello. <laughs> Does you know what? I make up all kinds of words. Hello. <laughs> See, if you don't know how to pronounce it, just go with what it sounds like. Belshazzar. And in the book of Daniel 5 and 30, we also read that Vashti's father uh, had been murdered. And Vashti didn't know that her father was murdered until she showed up in his quarters to see him. And she did never expect it in life that she would be fatherless. But then she shows up in her father's quarters. Not only was her father murdered, but then Vashti was taken, kidnapped. She was kidnapped by King Darius. And she never expected that that would happen in her life. And no doubt she was afraid that since King Darius had already killed her father, that more than likely he would probably kill her too. But no, instead, guess what he does? He gives her to this impatient, easily angered, womanizing son of his called Hazarses to be his wife. That's what he does. And no doubt, Vashti never planned to marry a man, like at least this, not this kind of man anyway. But I gotta tell you, I can relate to Vashti. Some of y'all can relate to Vashti, can't you? You, never, you thought you were gonna marry this loving, caring man. And he turned out to be the complete opposite. Somebody know what I'm talking about? I can relate to her. I was married to a womanizer. That's why I was divorced. I had made one bad decision, I married him. Lord, please don't let me make another bad one. But let me establish that neither Queen Vashti nor King Hazar is knew or worshiped God. The king was only interested in political power and wealth with all and with all the women he had in his harem, I think there's a good reason that he had a big interest in sex, one would think. And we're told that he decides to have a party in the palace for political reasons. I don't know about you, but this was not a Holy Ghost party. This was the kind of party I used to go to back in the day, uh, before I knew Jesus. The reality is all of us sitting here, we didn't always live for the Lord. And we used to attend parties. But they were having the kind of party that they had all kinds of wine. They said they had the best wine in these fancy wine glasses. Back in the day, I would say, hello, I hope I go to that party. That's the kind of party they were having. And so and they were having this kind of party. And they said that there was, we call it nowadays, an open bar. You could drink as much as you wanted. That's what the kind of party it was. And so after days of, of drinking and having a party, you know, men and women, when we drink alcohol, we can do and say some stupid things. And so guess what the king says? He tells them, he says, listen, go in and tell the queen to come out wearing her crown. And you know, when you look at that scripture, she was a queen. And no doubt she would have had a crown and a royal robe. But we don't see in there where he asked her to wear her royal robe. Oh, hello, somebody. No, sir. He told her to come out because, see, he wanted to put her on display just the same as he's putting his kingdom on display. And so he tells her to come out wearing her royal crown. What he was asking her to do was, come out, queen, naked, just wearing your crown and parade yourself around in front of these drunken, pain and the you-know-what men. <laughs> That's what he was asking her to do. Can you imagine? Come on, he says, do this. What do you do when you're faced with a dilemma and you have to make a decision? What 
do you do, ladies, when a man propositions you for money or a promotion in exchange for sexual favors? What do you do when you're married and another man wants to have an affair with you? What do you do when you find yourself pregnant and you never planned to be a mother? What do you do when the man that you marry turns into your abuser? What do you do when you're a past addict and you're invited to a place where you know drugs and alcohol will be present? What do you do when you're faced with a dilemma? The queen had to consider the consequences of her decision. I mean, first of all, she thought, how could I possibly disobey the king's command and give up living in this lap of luxury in this palace? I mean, this sister had it made. I mean, she, she didn't have to cook, not like us. She didn't have to clean, no siree. She just had to live in this lap of luxury and leisure. She had somebody comb her hair, do her nails and everything else. And she even had nannies to take care of her children. She was a queen, a woman of influence. But then on the other hand, she had to consider this. She said, why would I? I'm a queen. Why would I allow myself to go out there and be humiliated by parading naked before those men? Why would I, the queen, allow myself to be humiliated, disrespected, lose my sense of self-worth and integrity? Why would I do that? I'm the queen. But she also knew her decision to disobey the king had major consequences, especially in her day and age when women didn't have a purpose. As a matter of fact, the only purpose they had was for decorative, being decorative and fertile. Faced with this dilemma, Vashti makes a decision. She says, you know what? Enough of this. It's time for change. It's time for change. So in response to the king's command, she took a stand and said, no more. I am more than a cheap thrill for some bunch of drunk men, she said. No siree. I'm more than a decorative display. I'm more than a possession to be objectified. I am a human being with integrity, with self-respect. And here, king, is where I draw the line. The answer is no. I'm not coming out because it's time for change. And Vashti, no, her big no does not save the day. In fact, you know what? In the eyes of the world, they think she's a loser because they took away her crown, her position, her prestige, and she loses everything. You see, she was in a position of influence. She might have lost it, I should say. She might have lost her position of influence, but she hadn't lost her ability to influence. I want to tell you ladies this afternoon that just because someone sets in a position of influence doesn't make them influential. Some of the most influential people do not hold positions of prestige and influence. I believe this afternoon that there are some women sitting here who are in positions of influence and you think that you have to be a, a big major director or something like that, but you are having influence by the fact that you are a woman of God. You see, Vashti had so much influence over the other women in the kingdom that the men were afraid. Oh, you ever hear tell that a man afraid of a woman? I said, what? This Vashti is something else. <laughs> so the men were so afraid, they said, well, if word gets out to all the other women in the kingdom that, you know, that what Vashti did, then all the other women, they'll rebel against their husbands. Oh, well, they couldn't have that. They had their women in line doing what they said, whenever they said it. 
And so they decided to got together and said, brothers, here's what we're going to do. We're going to recommend we send out a message to all the provinces of the empire and tell everybody about the story of Vashti and also tell them how we punished her. And then we're going to order all the wives to show respect for their husbands who must rule over them. Ladies, I'm here to tell you. We are currently living in a society where domestic violence pervades every, even Christian homes. We make the mistake of thinking that because someone is saved and that because they live in a Christian home that there is no domestic violence. I'm here to tell you that's a reality. There are women of God that are living in homes and they are being abused. And I believe that the church and we as believers must not allow this biblical teaching on marriage to be misunderstood as a doctrine of male dominance that justifies the physical and the domestic abuse of power. And some of us think we have to be subjected to it. It doesn't tone down a husband's responsibility for self-sacrifice for the good of his wife. Isn't that what Ephesians says? For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. And if you're living lesser than what the word of God says, then you need to talk to somebody. You need to break the silence and have a conversation. Ladies, you may not be a pastor or a leader in a church, but I'm here to tell you, you do have influence for the kingdom of God. And that's why Satan is out to get you in the same way the king and his leaders were putting laws in place to silence the women in that kingdom. You see, Satan will try to silence us as women too because what he'll do, he'll get us in a place of fear. Oh, and if fear doesn't work, oh, then he'll come with shame because you see, the, thing, the reality of it is some of us got past. And Satan, you know, he'll come in your ear and cause you to remember all the things. Well, what if they knew that about you? Oh, well, what if they knew this about you? And so what he does, he tries to keep us in a place of shame and fear and that way, we won't speak. But I'm here to tell you, it's time for change. <laughs> it's time for change. Revelations 12 and 11 said, and they overcame Satan. By what? By the blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. We heard some testimonies here today. You see, I'm here to tell you, your testimony has the power to influence other women who are struggling. And didn't Sister Yana encourage us today with her testimony? You see the power of a testimony? Your testimony has the power and the influence to break another person's silence and free them from the strongholds of Satan. It's time for women to tell their testimony. Tell your story. Tell somebody how you overcame. Tell somebody how you used to live, but for Jesus who changed me from the inside out. Your testimony has power to influence. Oh, Lord, if I had a week, I could tell you mine, because that's how bad it was. Oh, Lord Jesus. But what Vashti did would not only inspire her successor, Queen Esther, but it would inspire the next woman, and the next woman, and the next woman. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to inspire one another. You see, I don't know about you, but I think Queen Vashti herself was part of the Me Too movement way back then, 2,000 years ago. The sister was standing up, and standing up against sexual exploitation and harassment. This girl had it all 2,000 years ago. Me Too movement started. 
not just a couple years ago. Praise God. But I tell you, ladies, it really saddens me that in our day and age, so many women are not as careful as Vashti was with guarding the dignity of our bodies. I mean, the truth of the matter is, uh, 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 there's so many younger women, older women, exchanging self-respect for fashion. Well, it's okay if I wear it this short, it's, it's in fashion. Oh, it's okay if it's this low, it's fashion. Oh, we're selling ourselves short for popularity and fashion? Selling our bodies for the pleasures of men. But I'm here to tell you, there's a young lady uh, that's in our, our congregation and uh, used to be a prostitute, but now God has transformed her life and she's having influence for the kingdom of God. See, you need to know, ladies, that God can take a hooker from the streets and make her a minister of the gospel. God can take a woman dancing on tables, put her in the church so she can dance for his glory, and then fashion her into his image. That's what God can do. Yes, Queen Vashti was dethroned, but not without a cause, not without a purpose. Vashti's no in dethronement might seem like something insignificant to some. No, she never planned to be dethroned. But our sovereign God used the unplanned events and decisions of an unbelieving pagan queen. Why? So that he could move his chosen one, Esther, into the position of queen in the palace. Oh, my goodness. You see, sometimes God will use unsaved folk in order to get you in position to do what he's calling you to do. You'll be amazed what God, who God will use. But in this situation, he uses an unpaid, unsaved pagan queen to move Esther in place. It seems like a tragedy of what happened to Vashti, but God had plans for those who serve him, for she was called according to his purpose. And so Esther moves into the palace. What do we know about Esther? You see, Esther was a Jewish girl who was a minority living in Susa, Persia, which was predominantly a pagan Gentile society. I'm here to tell you, I know what it means to be a minority living in a society. I grew up in an all-black community. I was bused into a school uh, uh, when racial racism was rampant. Um, it, was a, it was a terrible thing. Living as a minority is a tough place to be. And so if you are someone who's of a minority and you're living in that circumstance, I understand what it means to be a minority living in a society. And so Esther was a minority living in Susa. And she was a, a girl who had lost both of her parents. Unexpected event in her life. And then Mordecai, her cousin, he, he raises her when she was an orphan. And then later, he enters her into a beauty pageant unexpected, unplanned event of her life. And then she moves into this sensuous luxury of the king, Hazarus. And then she becomes part of his harem. Unexpected, unplanned event of her life. Later she finds herself sharing a bed with this impatient, easily angered, womanizing king. Unplanned, unexpected event in her life. You know, 
when I started doing my research to have a little understanding about Esther, I understood that being in the king's harem was not a desirable place to be. And so no doubt, Esther must have been thinking to herself, how did I end up in this place? I had no idea. I did nothing to be here. But here I am in this place. Have you ever found yourself in a situation and asked yourself the question, how in the hell did I get here? How did I find myself here? I'm going to tell you, those were my exact words. When I was standing one day in the lineup of the Salvation Army, I was unemployed, broke financially, broken emotionally, hungry because I didn't have any money to buy groceries, and desperate because I didn't have anything to give my son for Christmas. I had no gifts. I had nothing. I was in a place. I said, how? Lord, how did, how did this happen? How did I find myself here? All because of the unplanned, unexpected events in my life. I'm standing here. I was a woman who had a job. I was a woman who had a husband. I was a woman who had a, a big house. I had it all. And then one day, I find myself divorced, lost all of my material possessions, and had to find myself on welfare. All unplanned, unexpected events in my life. Oh, but we serve a sovereign God. Who? Hello, somebody. That's why I'm standing here today. Praise God. Esther was a Jewish girl. So we can expect that life in the harem for her violated every conviction and every moral principle that Mordecai had instilled in her. Esther was gifted by being beautiful, and eventually she became a queen. They would say she was one of the, I think she was the fourth beautiful woman in the whole kingdom. I said, Esther probably looked like some of us. Hello. 36, 24, 36, she was a brick house, hello. <laughs> yes, sir, Esther had it going on. She was gifted with beauty, and during her time in the palace, Esther did not live like a good Jewish girl. You see, because she was in the palace, Esther participated in various aspects of pagan lifestyle. She was being controlled by her circumstance. You know, people might say, why would a good Jewish girl participate in a pagan lifestyle? Why would a good Jewish girl allow herself to stay in the place where she was married to an impatient, angry, womanizing king? The question is, why do we, as Christian women, do all of these things? If you can answer that question, then you got the answer for her. You know, it's funny, you know, how we look at other people's decisions and we size them up. You all know what I'm talking about. Thinking that we know clearly what's right from what's wrong, and if we were them and, and in their shoes, oh, I tell you what I would have did. Mm-hmm. Have you ever said that? I don't know why she did that, because here's what I would have done. I mean, last year, uh, my sister-in-law talked to you guys about her personal situation and what she had been through, and you know, how her marriage and everything else, when her husband, they were going through, and he had an affair and all this stuff, and, and I know what I said to her? Well, if I was in your shoes, I'd leave him. <laughs> well, thank God she didn't, because they're still married. It's been 20 what, 28 years later? So, praise God. But we always think we know best when it comes to everybody else's decisions. And let's be truthful. 
it's not easy to talk about ethical and moral issues because we can define the situation simply enough so that we can make a clear choice. But I want you to know, it doesn't work that way in real life. Can someone confess that life isn't always neat and tidy? Sometimes life is downright messy. Can anyone testify today that you made a bad decision? Or perhaps your response is, uh, I made the best decision I could in light of the situation. It's kind of what Esther was thinking, right? The truth is that many of us are still carrying the regret and the shame of some of the decisions we've made in the past. What do you do when you're faced with a dilemma and you have to make a decision? See, just like Queen Esther, she was facing a major crisis and dilemma which demanded her to make a decision. And for those of you that know the story, her uncle finds out that this man named Haman had convinced the king to issue a decree to kill all of the Jewish people in the kingdom. Her uncle tells her, he says, Esther, you must go to the king and plead before him to the, on behalf of the Jewish people in order to save their lives. And in response, Esther says to the king in, in chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, she says, uh, hold it, Mordecai. Do you know what? Do you know that all the servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to meet in the inner court who is not summons, he has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king holds out his golden scepter so that he, they may live. And she says, and then she says, go tell Mordecai what I said. Tell him I have not been summoned to come to the king for 30 days. So her servants go and they tell Mordecai what Esther says. See, Esther was considering the consequences of the, what Mordecai was asking her to do. After all, she also knew what happened to Queen Vashti for disobeying the king's command. So Esther had a good reason to be fearful. And then so the servants come back and they say, well, Esther, here's what Mordecai says. Mordecai said, Esther, if you do not imagine that because you are in the king's palace that you will escape any more than all the Jews, for if you remain silent at this time, Esther, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's host will perish, and who knows whether you have been called for such a time as this. See, Esther is faced with a dilemma and must make a decision. She was, had to consider, will I remain silent and do nothing? Which could lead to her demise and reveal to the king that she was a Jew, and no doubt, guess what? She would still die at the king's command. Esther was caught between a rock and a hard place. Have you ever been caught between a rock and a hard place and you don't know what to do? So Mordecai, she, she says, go. After she considered all the things, she, she says to her servants, now go tell Mordecai this. Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way, and thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Ladies, Esther 
was willing to act in faith and boldly enter into the king's throne room with Odin's invitation. But what does she do first? She said, first, I got to prepare my heart and seek the merciful intervention of God. When you're caught between a rock and a hard place, that's when you got to seek God and know what God is leading you to do. Because, see, you can have Lottie Dottie and everybody in your ear do this and do that. But if you have not heard from God, don't move. Because I remember uh, uh, when my husband was not saved, and, and I, I wanted to, I was like always preaching to him and stuff. And I remember this one day, the Lord spoke to me and said, go down and talk now. I said, talk now. No, God, I can't do it. Go down and speak now. And I, I and so, because people were telling me, right? Go down, you need to tell him about himself. You need to do this. And, I, and so anyways, I was, I kept silent. I kept silent. And I did just what Esther did in this passage. I prayed. I fasted so that I could be certain that I was hearing from God. And that's exactly what she did. She cried out to the Lord. When was the last time, ladies, that we cried out to the Lord in our place of being caught in a rock in a hard place, not knowing what to do? And so she cries out for his grace to spare her life and to transform the king's heart. You see, Esther knew the importance of having God be on her side. She knew the importance of seeking his face. And this was not a time to take things for granted or foolishly appear before the king. Only God could intervene to cause the king to accept Esther's. Ladies, we are not the Holy Spirit. We're always trying to be the Holy Spirit in our children, in our lives, or the, those around us. And that's exactly what God said to me that day. You're not the Holy Spirit. You've been preaching to him, coming home with messages, putting music on, CDs in. I hope he hears that word. That ought to get him. Yes, okay. Oh, and then I do that one. Well, you know, at church today, do you know what uh, the pastor preached about? You all know what I'm, somebody knows what I'm talking about. I was doing all of that. And the Lord told me, stop talking. You're doing my work. Stop talking. You are not the Holy Spirit. You cannot save anybody. And you're getting in the way of me doing my business. So stop talking. So I stopped talking. And I kept doing what Esther did. I kept praying and interceding, Lord, and hearing from God. And then this one day, God said to me, now it's time to talk. Now it's time to speak. I'm like, okay, Lord, so what is it I'm going to say? Um, no, Move. You move, and when you get there, I'll put the words in your mouth. Well, can you imagine? So I'm saying, well, no, no, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this, God. I can't go. Oh, you got to tell me what I got to say before I move. Do you trust me? Yes, Lord, I trust you. Then move. So, you know, you're like, okay. And then those are the, my friends that I brought with me. Thank God for my friends that are here. Bless God for them. Um, they all know what my husband's like, okay? Hello, somebody. This is a man who does not stop talking. And I got to tell you, for five years, I lived with this man, unsaved. And he lived an unsaved life, okay? I mean, I'd be driving to church. Things weren't good. He was not a happy camper, but God. So this day, I go down. And I'm usually a bold person. 
But this day I go down and I look at him and I said, and then this boldness came on me. And I looked at him and I said, Eugene, that's his name. It's like this. I said, okay. I love Jesus. I love you. But I know I can live life without you. I cannot live it without him. And he was silent. I said, so here's how it is. Either you're coming up or I'm going out. He couldn't even speak. He was like. <laughs> and that was it. I walked away. I said, oh, God, what did I just do? <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, no. I said, now this is it. Second marriage is going to be over too, right? Oh, Lord. I'm a, you know, I'm a disgrace. Oh, Lord. And I got to tell you. Out of that obedience of waiting to hear from God, I mean, God fast-tracked that thing. And the next thing I know, he gave his heart to the Lord on, the jo on his job. That's what God can do. But I had to pray just like Esther. I had to be sure. I had to have the confidence that what I was going to do was what God was instructing me to do, not what man was instructing me to do. And a lot of times, ladies, we look into our sisters for advice about relationships. We're looking to people that we shouldn't be looking. You've got to have people in your corner. You need to know that God has placed that person there. And rather than just jumping up on everybody and anybody to share, and then they speak into your situation, it can cause you more harm. Because my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law told me to leave them. My Lord, that's bad, isn't it? We are a leaving family. I don't know what's wrong with us. My goodness. <laughs> Because they saw the misery, right? They said the same thing, but I'm so grateful. She didn't listen to me, and I didn't listen to her. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Praise God. So I want to remind you that you don't have the power to change anyone. Only God can do that. You see, God is able to do the impossible. He says, is there anything too hard for God? No. Because with God, all things are possible. Let me leave you with this. And I said I'd cut short because I know it's been a long day. When I think about Esther, I'm also reminded about the story of Joseph. His brothers threw him in a pit, planned to kill him, but instead sold him into slavery. He ends up in the house of Potiphar, and then his wife, Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with him, and then she pretends that she told her husband that he tried to sleep with her. And then the next thing you know, Potiphar puts him in jail. He's in jail. And then one day, um, he's telling, interpreting dreams. And the attention comes to the king. And because God had given him the gift to interpret dreams, he went from the pit to the palace. See, somebody here today is in a place of pit. But I'm here to tell you, God is about to take you to a palace place. where he can use you for his purpose. God used all of the unplanned events of Esther's life, of Joseph's life, and of my life. He used all the suffering, all the hardship in their lives to lead them to a position in the palace, in a position of where God could use them for his divine purpose. Esther had no idea she was part, when she was part of the king's harem that one day she would be queen. She had no idea that all the painful experiences and living contrary to her Jewish faith, that God would work 
and use all of that for his glory. I'm here to tell you this afternoon, everything you've been through, God is able to use it for his glory. All of your past bad decisions, all of your past mistakes, all of your old shame, all of your regrets, all of that God can use for his glory. God will place you in places with uh, people and relationships where you will have favor that unimaginable. You see, Esther ended up having favor with the king. I'm confident today that some of you, God is about to shift you and move you forward into a place where you are going to have his divine favor. He's going to open up doors of opportunity for you. The more you serve him, the more you lean on him, the more you'll see God's uh, open doors and circumstances will happen that put you in position of favor. I told you I was on welfare, bankrupt, had nothing. But I stand before you today. When I was that place, I attempted suicide. But God, a sovereign God who has a destiny and a plan for your life. And today I stand on this platform, somebody on welfare, bankrupt, attempted suicide, divorce, and I, God placed me in an organization where I went in as a clerk. I was happy about that. But today I am the HR director for the province of Nova Scotia, but for a sovereign God. And I stand before you. Oh, that's, yes, applaud, because that's God. Ain't nothing to do with me, trust me. God has given me so much favor in that place. And then in December, I was inducted at Emmanuel Baptist Church as the assistant pastor. And do you know what? You think that you have to be in church, that that's your mission field. I'm here to tell you, your mission field is wherever God places you. We got a mission sister sitting right here, wherever God places you. That's your mission field. That's your mission field. Your workplace is your mission field. You can have influence in your workplace. And so in my workplace, God has made that my mission field. And on that night of induction, over 40 people from my workplace came to church. You have influence, ladies. You have influence. God has done a marvelous work. And he took me from a place which was a pit. And now he's placed me before you. And I heard the Lord saying when I was coming here, Andrea, I would like for you to share some of your testimonies because some ladies need to know that all that's gone on in your life, I'm still God. I'm still able to work that thing out. I'm still able to turn it around for your good. I'm God. There's nothing that's impossible with me. You see, Esther was destined to be the queen to save the Jewish people. And tonight, I want you to know that God has a destiny for you. He has a destiny for your life. Perhaps you're here and you've been like Esther. You're a Christian. But the reality of, of it is, if we could just be honest, I love what Pastor Russ said, can I just be real with you? Living the Christian life is not easy. I mean, Esther was in the palace. She was a Jewish girl. She had uh, morals and values. But perhaps you're here tonight and you're a child of God, but you're dabbling in the things that are ungodly. And God wants you to know he's got better for you. You've been trying it on your own to kick that addiction. But tonight, can you decide to lay it down at the feet of the cross 
and allow Jesus to set you free, it's time for change. Do you want to move forward into what God has for your future? Unforgiveness. Holding on and holding on, and I'm here to tell you, it's like poison in your body. Would you decide tonight to ask God to do the work in your heart so that you can forgive that person? It's time for change. Do you want to move forward into what God has for you? It's time for change. If you've never made a decision to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, you know, I've been here all weekend. You said I came with a friend. I've never known about this Jesus. I just came because somebody asked me to come. You heard Gail talk about how his sacrifice that he made for us so that we could have this everlasting life. You heard us talk about Jesus all weekend long. But tonight, I want to ask you, now you're faced with making a decision. The same way Esther had to make a decision. The same way Vashti had to make a decision. In life, we have to make decisions. Tonight, would you make a decision to say, you know what? I want to invite this Jesus into my life. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want him to guide me. I want him to direct me. If that's you, and you just came, you said, to hear, because I'm curious. Tonight, now you're faced with having to make a decision. Will you walk away from here without knowing him, or will you receive him tonight so that he can change your life? You know, there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She suffered. 12 years. And she lived in a time when there was a mosaic law that if a woman had a, a bodily discharge, that she was an outcast in society. So this woman with this issue of blood could never go out in public. And then one day she hears that Jesus is in town, the same Jesus who healed the lame. And, and the same Jesus who caused the blind to see is in her town. She's faced with a decision. Either I stay here in a place of fear, or I make a decision to be bold and courageous, step out that door and receive my healing. Tonight you can make a decision. If the power of God is here, then the power to heal is also here. Tonight, you can make a decision. She didn't let fear stand in her way. Will you allow fear to stand in your way? It's time for change. You see, our current situations might look different than what Esther faced. You might be struggling with a great fear of uncertainty. Future may look dark. Maybe you got a hard diagnosis or recent loss that has sent you spiraling. I want to encourage you tonight to put your hope in a sovereign God. God who is able to turn your trials into blessings. See, Esther and Joseph didn't know it. I didn't know it. But God was working behind the scenes. During all my times of hopelessness, all my times of despair and uncertainty, God was working behind the scenes. And he's working behind the scenes for you tonight. His blessings are greater than your troubles. He is able to bring great favor and blessing on our lives, even in the hard stuff. But tonight, you must decide. You know, there's this old African-American spirit that says, oh, you got to move.
oh, you got to move. When my Lord speaks, you got to move. You may be lame and you cannot walk, but when you hear him speak, you got to move. You may be down, but you're not out. Do you hear his voice? You got to move. Truly, I believe that God has been spoken this weekend, and he's speaking right now. It's time for change. But will you make a move?